From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Leviticus 9, Shmini, the glory of God. This week's portion of the Torah deals mostly with the many details of the various types of sacrifices that were to be offered in the Mishkan and later in the temples. The portion then goes on to identify the animals that may be eaten and those that are not to be eaten. Also, amazingly, there are explicit instructions explaining how to attain the most cherished vision possible. Spiritual seekers all over the world share a common goal, although many will call it by many different names and therefore manifest widely different goals, all seek to reveal the glory of God's presence. In fact, this was also Moshe's personal prayer when he prayed, Show me now your glory. Seeing that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe our teacher, the greatest spiritual teacher the world has ever known, had to pray to have such an experience, how could such an exalted vision ever be attained by simple people like you and me? Remember that the Torah was written to speak to all people in every generation. Therefore, it has to be talking to us today. It is not merely a history book addressing what happened way back when. In order for the Torah to be of real value to us, all of its instructions must somehow be applicable to us today. In this portion, Moshe says to Aaron, This is the thing that Hashem has commanded you to do, then the glory of God will appear to you. Any sincere spiritual seeker who reads such words will read these instructions with intense anticipation striving to understand how to bring about this great spiritual vision. What were the instructions that Moshe instructed Aaron, and how can we apply them today? Moshe told Aaron to take for himself and for the people a sin offering and an elevation offering, and that the people were to bring its sin offering, an elevation offering, a peace offering, and a meal offering. He then said, This is the thing that Hashem has commanded you to do, then the glory of God will appear to you. Aaron brought his offerings as instructed, and once he had gained atonement for himself, he was in a position to help the people attain atonement. Then, it says, Aaron raised his hands towards the people and blessed them. Next, Moshe and Aaron came into the tent of meeting, then went out and blessed the people, and the glory of God appeared to the entire people. We are not high priests, nor we are Moshe Rabbeinu, and even if we were, we do not even have a temple. So how could we possibly do any of this service today? The sin offering makes atonement, which is correction, for any sins we have done. The elevation offering makes atonement for the things we are supposed to do but did not do, and to bring us a spiritual elevation. The peace offering brings peace and fullness between man and man and between man and God. And the meal offering, the flour mixed with oil, comes to teach us to use everything in existence in our service to God. We are to use the animals, the vegetables, and the minerals. The animals, obviously, are the sacrifices. The vegetables are represented by the meal offerings, and the salt that accompanied every offering represents the minerals. So herein lies the secret. First, we must assume our role as the high priest. If the Torah is talking to us today, then this role, too, must be expected of us. 
To do this, we must spiritually act out the high priest's physical actions. For instance, one of the high priest's main services was to offer up sacrifices on the altar. We also must do this, but instead of using the altar in the temple, we use our dining room table. We transfer our simple, physical eating into a spiritual experience by having guests, saying blessings, and eating only permitted foods. Then we have to make atonement for our sins, both for the sins that we committed and for the sins of omission. Since today we do not have the actual sacrifices, we use repentance, prayer, and charity to gain atonement. These are the tools that are in our hands today, and, when used properly, they will bring that exalted state. Next, we will go to the people and help them atone for their sins, and help them to offer their peace offerings so they will have peace in their lives. Remember, most of the reason someone sins is not for maliciousness, but simply because of ignorance, and when the proper information is shared, we quickly turn from our folly. Then we are to lift up our hands, which signifies taking action, toward the people and bless them. Finally, now assuming the roles of today's motion high priest, we enter the tent of meeting. Today, this is our houses of learning, our study halls. This is where we learn the laws of the priesthood and how to emulate the prophets. Then, still acting as both prophet and high priest, we come out of the tents of learning, lift up our hands, and again, bless the people. When we do all this with the love and sincerity that is expected of today's Moses and Aaron's, we will surely see the glory of God appear. According to the Tana, Debe Eliahu, all people can experience divine inspiration. He says the reward is commensurate with the effort. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the revelation. It all depends on one's deeds. But as the prophet said, the whole earth is full of his glory. So what do we see when we see God's glory? God, his presence, and his glory are truly everywhere at all times. But the revelation of this truth is almost always hidden. When through a person's tremendous effort or righteousness, Hashem blesses that person with the revelation of his presence, the spiritual recognition that accompanies that revelation is indeed glorious. One instant of seeing that glory makes all of life's struggles worthwhile. Elevation Besides discussing the duties of the priest and distinguishing between the animals that may be eaten and those that are forbidden, the Torah this week says that you shall not contaminate yourself, for I am God who elevates you from the land of Egypt to be a God unto you. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Regarding this sentence, we must ask, why did he say that he is God who elevates us, brings us up? from Egypt after he already did that. This line comes way after he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Shouldn't it have said, he is God who elevated us? And what does God being holy have to do with us being holy? Both of these questions can be answered with the same answer. He said he is the one who elevates us because as we focus on him and his ways, we loosen the bonds of physical slavery, which is Egypt. This is not merely a historical reference, but explains the function of Torah today. 
elevating us does not mean that we begin to fly off the planet. It means that focusing on God and His ways frees us to use the physical without being enslaved by it. When our priorities are spiritual and our daily lives become spiritual, the physical does not disappear, but is merely put into its proper perspective, a tool, not a master. When we live our lives dedicated to holy goals, we ourselves become holy. Although at first it certainly does not sound modest, we are in fact commanded to be holy. And this explains the second question as well. Because God is holy, when we do His will and follow His ways, we become His holy people. Now, what does the word holy mean? It means to be set aside for sacred purposes, devoted, consecrated, and pure. So instead of viewing the goal of trying to become a holy person as being boastful, we see that really it is an attempt in self-nullification. We nullify our selfish desires and take on the spiritual desires and values of the Torah. We empty ourselves of unholy desires, and when we succeed, the holy values take their place. These holy values give us holy thoughts that lead to holy deeds, and then, as a result, we too become holy. At first, becoming holy is an obligation, then it becomes a privilege. There is one dot com.